What's up, everyone? Happy holidays. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you all have a, a good ending to the year of 2020, starting with the beautiful holiday months. There was some football on Thanksgiving. We got robbed of a Raven-Steelers game. That's actually been moved to Tuesday now. But nevertheless, the Lions, they traditionally lose on Thanksgiving. Dallas also lost yesterday to the Washington Football Club, which brings us into Sunday, which brings us into another episode of Steel Talks Raiders on the Rebel Report Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brandon Steele. This Sunday, coming off of a tough loss to the divisional rival, defending Super Bowl champs, Kansas City Chiefs, the Raiders got an E for effort, if you will. And one thing about that game is not only did the Raiders lose by only four to the defending champions, and now there's a lot of national media kind of flocking their way over to the Raider Nation, which is usually what happens, you know, when you start to play a little bit better, you put the defending champs on notice, you're winning the game with a minute 40 left. People tend to take note, and um, they tend to hype you up, and there's been a lot of hype going around the Raiders See it on Fox, see it on NFL Network, ESPN saying, yes, the Raiders lost to the Chiefs, but they're to be taken seriously. And now everyone's starting to change their tone in the way that they talk about quarterback Derek Carr, which is always funny to me. This is the way not just sports work, but the way that the world works. You know, one minute you're upset with a person and they start doing things that make you not so upset and you love them again. Happens in life, happens in work, and it Sure as hell happens in football, week to week, year to year, you know, play to play almost, especially at the quarterback position. I said a couple weeks ago, Derek Carr's a top 10 quarterback. When you start looking at the league holistically and you start looking at, well, who's better than Derek Carr? Kirk Cousins isn't. Ryan Tannehill isn't. Matthew Stafford isn't. You, you get the point. You start weaning out who's better than him. And there's only... About eight guys really better than Derek Carr. Yes, Patrick Mahomes is better than Derek Carr. Russell Wilson. Um, these are the names of guys. Aaron Rodgers. You know, these are the names of guys that are actually better than Derek. But the other half of the league, the Jared Goffs and the Matthew Staffords and, you know, those types of guys, the Phillip Rivers, who've been around for long enough to have, you know, a foot in the door of, Am I considered a top 10 quarterback? Derek's better than those types of dudes. It places him right in the top 10. His stats, game to game, are extremely interesting. His best and biggest games, most yards, um, best completion percentages, came against the Kansas City Chiefs. Sunday night, 275, three touchdowns, the prayer ball interception, and a passer rating of 119. His highest passer rating... Came against Kansas City in the win at Arrowhead. 347, three touchdowns, a pick. Passer rating of 127. Um, the Saints game, he played good. 284, three touchdowns, no picks. Passer rating of 120. On the season collectively, 19 touchdowns, three interceptions, 2,431 yards, and they want to talk about him potentially being the MVP. The MVP of the Raiders? Sure. Most valuable players to the Raiders? Definitely. There's two guys on this football team that if the Raiders lose to injury, it's over. Derek Carr, he's the leader of the team. His stats are right in front of you. I can tell you the stats. He plays good every Sunday. 
He runs the offense better than anyone could. He'll run it better than Peterman. He'd sure as hell run it than Mariota. What a waste of $7 million a year. We're paying Marcus Mariota $14 million to have a front row ticket to the games. Pointless signing by Mike Mayock. If you lose Derek Carr, it's over. If you lose Josh Jacobs, it's over. Those are the two players that are most valuable to the Raiders. Is Derek Carr the MVP of the league? No, not by a long shot. I'm not quite sure why there's hype train saying Derek Carr MVP. And in his press conference on Tuesday morning, he doesn't care about that. He doesn't care that he only threw for 154, no touchdowns, no interceptions against Denver. He cares that we won. And that is when you start to see the maturity and the leadership take a different, you know, play a different factor on Sundays and at Derek Carr's position of quarterback. No one else is doing that in the silver and black. No one else has done that at the quarterback position for the silver and black in six or seven years. That's why Derek hasn't left. And that's why it's just so funny to me. Last year, we want Derek gone. Move on from Derek. There was times last year where I was extremely frustrated. Why are you throwing the ball away so much? Well, then you think about it. He's throwing the ball away because he doesn't want to make a turnover. Turnovers lose you games. And during the stretch last year, Derek did some things that weren't very good, that weren't very bad. They were just bleh. It's just there. It's just these plays on tape where it's like you could have did more, but you don't have to do the superhero play. It's just a very awkward couple of games that we played last year. And it brings us to when last year we were six and four, we're six and four again. And I believe this six and four Raiders are going to be better than last year's six and four Raiders down the stretch. And Derek Carr is going to be a better 2020 version of himself than he was in the 2019 version of himself. He's playing leaps and bounds better. And the team is playing leaps and bounds better, but the defense is kind of, Stayed the same, probably gotten worse. We know the defense is a problem. And it's going to remain a problem. I'm getting to the point now with the defense where, yeah, we should get Cleveland Farrell back. He's still got a lot left to be desired. Corey Littleton, hopefully he shows up for us here down the stretch. But we got about three or four legit players on defense that you can start to build a core around. But I'm getting to the point where the defense, and especially in a game like Sunday, Rush your three guys, drop back, and play coverage and protect the sticks. We know we do not have a pass rush to get sacks. We know we struggle in open field tackling. So at least when you play Matt Ryan and the Falcons on Sunday, for the first time since 2016, a lot has changed since these two teams have previously met. Coaching changes, more um, weapons for Matt Ryan on the outside, a new running back. A lot has changed. And we're not familiar with the Falcons. You play them once every four years, right? So what I'm getting at is this defense is so bad. This defense is so atrocious. Step back, play your zones, protect the sticks. When it's third and three, third and two, pray to God you can get off the field. Hopefully Matt Ryan makes a bad throw. Or we can get a sack in the backfield. Maybe, hopefully. I'm not pleased with the defense. Nobody is in the Raider Nation. But Paul Gunther needs to stop asking of this defense to rush six, seven guys and make a big play in the secondary when you have to. It's just not the talent of this team. Do what you've been doing 
since you played high school ball. The guy catches it. You make a good form tackle. We move to the next play. Let's start small, especially against this high-flying offense. You got Julio Jones. He will be a game-time decision. Sunday, he's dealing with an issue. But he's still quietly having a great year. He catches 84% of his balls, 677 yards to three touchdowns, still a top-five wideout in the league. And then Calvin Ridley, the guy you forget about when you're worrying about Julio Jones. 747 yards, six touchdowns. Hayden Hurst, a great tight end. All these are problems that the Raiders are going to have to worry about. They have speed. Um, it's been a huge, huge factor for the Falcons throughout their um, history under Matt Ryan that they're fast, they get the ball out quick, and the Raiders are going to struggle with that. Um, therefore, the Raiders just step back, play your zones, hit them when they get there. Matt Ryan's having a pretty good year for the Atlanta Falcons, for sure. He's thrown for a lot of yards, and he hasn't, you know, looked like a quarterback that leads a 3-7 and team all the time. They were 0-5. They flipped the script. They brought in Raheem Morris, who John Gruden is um, very close with. He's a great coach. He's got them rallied up. And although Matt Ryan's thrown seven interceptions, his offensive line is one key issue. He's sacked a lot. He's hit a lot. He's been sacked 27 times. Um, this is a game where I don't foresee him getting sacked quite often. He's thrown for 2,978 yards, some of the most in the league. He's got 15 touchdowns, could be better. But a lot of it is aided to the bad offensive line play. They don't have a good defense either, which leads you to how will this game even go down? And one thing is interesting to me is, check this out. Like I said, Derek Carr, his best games came against Kansas City. He threw the most yards against Kansas City. And he had a couple nice games, well, one nice game where he threw for 300 against the Bills. The Falcons have an atrocious passing defense. They give up a ton of points. They give up a ton of yards. But we thought that maybe Derek would light up a couple other teams, right? I thought that he would throw for more than 165 against the Chargers. Just not the case because Derek's playing to win. He's playing to the game plan. And right when I think Derek's going to pop off for 360, 370, maybe 400 and four touchdowns, it's just not the way it goes. That's just not in the game plan. The game plan is to pound the ball with Josh Jacobs. So as much as I would love to say, hey, Derek's probably going to throw for 360 to this, you know, bottom five passing defense, I just don't really see it happening due to the trends that we're seeing with Derek Carr. He had three games in a row he threw under 200 yards before we played Kansas City. I just don't see the trend leaning towards this is a game for Derek to come shotgun and throw the ball around. I would love it. It'd be entertaining. I think that would help us win. But the MO is still going to be pound the ball, control the clock, and play our game. Don't find ourselves getting into a shootout with a team that wants to be in a shootout. And I'm learning that when I watch these Raider games. Why not when you have a top five running back in the NFL, though? I said it. Josh Jacobs is a top five runner in the NFL. The best running back in the NFL is easily Dalvin Cook. Second, I'd say Nick Chubb. Christian McCaffrey, when healthy, is number three. Jacobs at four. Derrick Henry at five. That's my list. Why is Derrick Henry at five? Well, point simple, he's only good in the second half. Yeah, he's got nine, he's got nine rushing touchdowns this year, 
A lot of them come in the second half. Not really what I'm looking for. I don't really like having to give the ball to a guy 37, 38 times to set up my play action. Josh Jacobs, we could give it to him 20 times. He can still give us 100 yards, and he also has nine touchdowns this season. Point proven. He can do more with less. We don't have to continually put it in his gut. It just so happens that's our game plan. That's the way it works with Josh Jacobs right now. Josh Jacobs, top five runner. I would expect him to have a huge game on Sunday against the Falcons. The problem is this. The game should be high scoring because when you look at the stats, the Raiders and the Falcons are ranked 28th and 30th in most points allowed in the second half. And we saw it in the, excuse me, we saw it in the Chiefs game. Raiders were bad in the second half. They gave up plenty of points. Patrick Mahomes made it look so easy on his fourth quarter drives. The Falcons could do the same, and the Falcons also allow the same. The Falcons allow 13 points in the second half, which is a lot in the NFL. The Raiders allow 10, which, again, is a lot in the NFL. And that could be um, a trend that shows up in this game. Be on the lookout to see how the... Excuse me. Be on the lookout to see how this second half plays out between the Raiders and the Falcons. I would expect there to be quite a few points. Would I take the over? I'm not sure, just given on how the Raiders like to play ball. They like to pound away. They like to use up clock. But Falcons, they should be scoring quite a few points here in this game against the Raiders on Sunday. As for a prediction, again, we touched on it slightly. The Raiders are 6-4. and four. Last year, the Raiders were 6-4. and four. They ended up losing to the Jets, Titans, Jaguars. All games that they should have won looked awful. This year, Falcons, we're going to go to Atlanta. We're going to get the win. We're going to move to 7-4, and four, feel good about ourselves, attack the week, the first week of December, attack that and get ready for the Jets, where I also think we'll pick up a win. And then it sets us up for a huge Thursday nighter against rival Los Angeles Chargers. But the next three games, read Falcons, Jets, Chargers, all winnable. Two of them should be challenging, that being Atlanta and Los Angeles. We'll see how it goes. I'm picking the Raiders to beat the Falcons on Sunday. I think we can beat Atlanta by about 10 points. I would love to beat them by more. I would love for Derek to light up the yard. But like I said in the show, we really haven't seen him do it too much outside of playing Kansas City and his beautiful um, performance against the New Orleans Saints. But we'll see how it goes. Atlanta gives up a lot of points. So do the Raiders. It could be high scoring. But look for Josh Jacobs to pound the rock, get in the end zone maybe a couple times. Derek throw the ball around, get into the end zone with Nelson Aguilar, his favorite target. And the Raiders go 7-4. and four. Thank you for listening to Steel Talks Raiders on the Rebel Report podcast. Just win, baby.